This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, April 15th, 2021, and my guest is the one, the only, the awesome Fiona. Hi, Fee. How are you? I am pretty good. How about you? I'm great. In case you don't know who Fiona is, Fiona is Techie Supreme on the internet. I am. That's right. So, Fee, a lot of news this week, and I'm kind of wondering if we can go through some of it together. Uh, sounds good to me. Cool. So um, let's start with the OnePlus watch. You saw the reviews. Mm-hmm. What's your take? Like, I mean. Uh, so my first thing is I actually have the, uh, the media kit. But uh, for me personally, I actually haven't done my unboxing yet. So I don't know if the watch is in the media kit. So I haven't handled it myself personally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but just seeing, um, what everyone else thinks of it, you know, yeah. it is just really interesting to see the other thoughts and, you know, everyone is kind of a little dowdy right now and saying that, you know, just in comparison to a lot of the other tech that a lot of other companies are putting into their smart watches now, you know, we've got the voice assistance and mobile payment and third party apps and things like that. We've got a real, you know, we've got a, like a lot of tech in smart watches these days that we don't have in the, in the OnePlus watch, you know, it is kind of first gen, you know, yeah. for, for what we've got right now. So there is just that kind of start you know starter type of thing so i have that kind of opinion of it that we probably kind of have to see see what they can do yeah kind of give them a chance yeah and I, I think that's what we kind of always kind of have to expect from oneplus at this point <laughs> <laughs> i think you're 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 spot on i feel like <laughs> There's a couple of things at play here. I mean, just before we start, like if you're not, if you haven't read my review yet, go to hothardware.com, read my review, pause the podcast for a second if you want. My review is overall positive. And by now you've probably read the other reviews. Um, you know, my audience here has probably read the other reviews and and they probably noticed that a lot of the reviews are negative. And, you know, I'm not here to justify my decisions because I, you know, I, I feel the way I do but I can maybe explain where I'm coming from a little more. Uh, I'm not the only one who had a positive review. Digital Trends, David Lum had a positive review as well. I think that it boils down to expectation. I think the discussion we're not having, like all of us together, is that there are really two types of smartwatches out there, right? And if you put the OnePlus watch up to the standards of the wrong category, you're not going to get a good review. If you put the OnePlus watch to the standards of the other category, then it is just a watch that, like you said, typical OnePlus. It's a little beta. It needs some work, but it, it fits into that category very squarely. And so knowing that as a kind of a smartwatch fan, I guess, I kind of went into it like, and if you read my intro, the second paragraph, I jump right into it. I'm like, let's clear things up here. Let's set expectations. There are two categories. The first category is Apple Watch, Galaxy Watch, Fitbit. 
and, you know, Wear OS, right? Google. And those are like really smart watches in the sense that you can install apps. You know, you can change their features over time by changing the apps you install on them. But they have the drawback of being kind of like having really poor battery life usually, like a day, two days. Like, you know, I had an Apple Watch SE for a while to try out and I could barely make it last a day. You know, so how do you sleep at night? You have to charge. It takes a long time to charge because it's wireless, but it's slow. So then you have this other category, which is very popular in China. And there's a few companies that sell these in the U.S. as well. Like you probably heard of Amazfit and Zep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, so they are what I would call, I call them like smart bands on steroids, basically. That's what, <laughs> you know, that's oh what they God. are. Like, no, I'm, I'm not being mean. Like they think of them as, you know, like a Fitbit smart band or like a, a Xiaomi smart band or like a Huawei or Honor smart band, but like make it bigger. Give it a yeah. nice metal and glass case with a big battery in there like twice the size right because you have more space mm-hmm. give it a gorgeous oled display you know sell it for a little more again i think the price reflects that this is not a 70 dollar fitness band mm-hmm. but it's also not a 250 to 300 dollar and this is the cheap end apple watch you know galaxy active or whatever right it's it's mm-hmm. a lot more affordable 160 bucks mm-hmm. so i think that once you look at it that way but, you know, the moment I heard the rumors that this didn't run Wear OS, I knew. Like, I knew what category it was in. Yeah. And I think that's why, for me, I have a hard time reading these reviews when they say they're negative. Because I'm like, are you expecting everyone to buy a Galaxy S phone or an iPhone 12? Like, not yeah. everybody buys a flagship. Yeah, that's very like, true. There is room for that category. It, yes, you can install apps. There's no apps. Like the ones that it comes with, it's like a, it's kind of like a feature phone, you know, Mm. the one it comes with are the ones you get. And yes, you're going to get software updates, but that's it. And then the battery life though, I mean, feed, you've read the reviews. Yeah. A week was what I got, which is because I'm a hardcore user. Two weeks, if you're careful and the charging five minutes on the stand gives you a day of charge. 20 minutes gives you half a charge. 40 minutes gives you a full charge. Like the Apple Watch doesn't even come close. Like, and, yeah. and it needs to, because if you want to wear it at night to track sleep, you need to charge. So I, see, so I don't understand that. Like, I like yeah. the idea that you're just wearing this smartwatch all day, all night. You don't have to worry about it. Once a week, you put on the charger for an hour while you're like cooking in the kitchen. And, you know, you're good to go for another week, right? And for me, I really kind of considered, especially when you kind of think of OnePlus's kind of like even like their origins, like, you know, like I, they've kind of moved away from that a little bit. They kind of had, you know, the flagship killer origins, uh, you know, and uh, where it was really kind of like this, like, we're going to give you like everything you loved, but it doesn't have to be everything the flagship is and there is just this idea of all of these different brands are kind of their own lifestyle you know so and if everybody's gonna have their own products within the same brand so you know apple's gonna have their own you know their own smartphones their own their own headphones their own 
smart home and, and you know, all yeah. of that. And Samsung's going to do the same thing. And OnePlus is going to be do the same thing. You know, it's more than just the product itself. It, it They all become their own lifestyle brand. And, and again, each lifestyle is going to be different. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of what I thought that, you know, the OnePlus lifestyle is different from the Apple lifestyle, is different from the Samsung lifestyle, is different from whatever other brand of lifestyle there is. For sure. And, you know, for me, I think the other thing is that first I went into that expectation of this is a different category, right? It's a category like a mid-range category of a smartwatch, essentially. At the low end, I put the smart bands, you know, like the, the fitness bands that everybody like buys at, you know, you can buy them at Best Buy and Walmart and they cost no more than a hundred bucks. Like some of them are like the Wise Watch is an example of one. Even though it's called a watch, it's really a smart band and it's $20, 20 freaking dollars, right? Like I think some of the Xiaomi bands are like 30 bucks and they're really solid, right? Then there's the category that we're talking about today, which is the OnePlus watch. And then there you have like the Huawei Watch GT series, right? For example. I wear a, a Huawei Watch GT2 Pro, which is like the premium version of that. And it's, again, it's just a smart band on steroids. Like it's a fitness band on steroids. It's not really a smartwatch, but at the same time, it is a smartwatch because it's got that big screen, that big battery. It looks more polished. It looks nicer on your wrist. And then um, those cost between like 100 and let's say about 200, right? Like in that category. And that's 160 bucks. is exactly where the OnePlus watch is going. And I think that, you know, we have to remember that OnePlus is a sub-brand of BBK. It's very close ties with Oppo. They all sell products in other markets than the US, like yeah. significantly, like, you know, in India, in Europe. Um, well, I don't think OnePlus is super big in Europe, but in Asia in general. And I think that I'm not sure this smartwatch was designed for us. You know, exactly. And so I think the problem here, and again, I'm not disagreeing with the reviewers who reviewed it in the US and so far that they were looking at it from the wrong angle, I think. But, you know, they're, they're going to tell me, well, Miriam, how, what other angle can we look at? The only thing we can compare it to is, you know, Apple Watch. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I don't really agree with that because again, Zep is sold here. Withings is sold here. I don't know. It's like there's a category of watches that are sold here. I think Fitbit, even though they have apps now, they for a long time they didn't. They were sitting in that, you know, fitness band on steroids, smart band on steroid category for a while, you know? So I think that their expectations were wrong. And I think that's the issue that I take here. But that being said, I want to I wanna hear a reaction, but I want to also say that we should talk about like what's good and bad because there are a lot of things that need work. Like, I 100% agree with that, but I also believe that OnePlus is going to deliver on that. To be quite frank, like even like if you were to like use these products as like a long-term user after you review it, how many of these features are we actually using is what I want to know. How often are you using the voice assistant? Really? And that's, you know, and that's another discussion. <laughs> like... I, I'm glad you bring it up because look, I worked for Pebble when the company was doing really well. I was in the beginnings of the smartwatch world. I get smartwatches. You know, I've been reviewing almost every single one of them since, you know, the back in when Sony made watches before Pebble. Like, okay. And I'm a power user, but I think we all have different use modes, right? Like for me, exactly. I don't actually need a voice assistant on my watch. I get it though. I can see how it'd be nice 
if your phone is not on you, which is rare, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe at home your phone is on your desk and you're in your kitchen. I have one of those long, skinny San Francisco apartments where my bedroom is in the front and my kitchen is in the back. So yeah, if my phone is like that far away, if it's Bluetooth, my watch is not going to be connected to my phone. Mm -hmm. So if it's got Wi-Fi and if it's got a voice assistant, I can talk to my watch and turn on my lights. I get it. Like that is a nice use case. But here's the thing, Fee. I have a Google Home and I have an Alexa in every room. So why the frick do I need my smartwatch for that? Right. So, so I say, I, I don't really get the voice, like setting a timer. I get it. Look, the best voice assistant on a watch, the best voice assistant is Google, right? For sure. But the best voice assistant on a watch is Siri and we know how useless it is. <laughs> right. So like this yeah. argument of like, I don't get it. I think that's, that's pushing it too far for me. What I think one of the good arguments that those guys made with the wrong expectation was that notifications are not polished enough. And that's true. But here's the thing, like on my Huawei Watch GT2 Pro, the notifications are also, you can't really respond. Like it's not designed for that. It's designed for triage, designed for like you look at the notification, you have an icon immediately telling you what the notification is about, like Gmail, you know, Telegram, whatever it might be. And then from there you decide, do I read it? And you read it. And if you did want, you can delete it. But, you know, responding, I just pull out my phone. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, again, I think you, you nailed it. People have different use cases. And if you've used an Apple Watch for a long time, a lot of people talk to the Apple Watch to respond. They'll dictate a message, right? I get it. But that's not what this watch does. And that's not what this watch intends to do. In fact, it's really lacking in notifications. It's one of the areas that I really hope OnePlus improves. Right now, it only has custom icons for, I think, five or six apps. So if you get a Gmail or a Twitter right now or a text message, it's the same kind of generic icon. So it's really hard to sort them in your head, right? Because you're looking at mm -hmm. this popping up on your watch and you're like, am I looking at a Twitter? Am I looking at a, uh, you know? And so that's something they need to fix 100%. And the other thing they need to fix is that you can't delete a single notification. Okay. Right? Yeah. You have to like delete them all and they don't sync with your phone. Like they do, like they come in at the same time as your phone. But if you delete one on your phone, it doesn't delete it on the watch. And you know what? Huawei does that too. That's not, mm -hmm. you have to understand, like the way this works on these fitness bands on steroids is it just sends a Bluetooth thing to the watch and the watch stores the notification. When you delete it on your phone, it has no idea you deleted it. Like it just doesn't, like the watch doesn't know, right? Now some software could be made there to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But even Huawei hasn't done it. Even Xiaomi hasn't done that. Because again, these OSs that run on these, you know, watches that are smart bands on steroids are really just very lightweight and they're not very powerful. They're not like Android Wear. And that's why the battery life is so good. So you can have your cake or you cannot have your cake. Like you just have to pick what your cake is going to be, right? And I think that's, that's to me what I think there was an opportunity for the big players here, the Virgin, Gadgets, the Wired, all the other ones in the world to explain to Americans to the U.S. people that they cater to, hey, you know what? This is a different category. This is how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't pull any punches about the things I didn't like on the watch. There's a lot of things that are unfinished, but I'm also very hopeful as, you know, maybe it's because I'm an engineer turned journalist. Like I'm like, okay, it'll be fixed in a software update. It's not a huge deal, you know? Yeah. I know that a lot of my colleagues review things as if they were finished, right? Because... You never know if they're going to fix it or not. But I don't think that's the world we live in. Like, I have a Tesla. It's three years old. It's still in beta, okay? It works. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay? Like, it works. It works. It's just, there's a few little things. But I'm sure that got like a 9 out of 10 review. <laughs> and nobody hates the Teslas. I mean, a lot of people don't like them. My experience, most people don't like Teslas. I've never tried one. So the, the point is like, it's like Apple has bugs. We know that, right? Remember the exactly. debacle of Apple Maps? Like, ah. <laughs> I feel like there's a bit of a double standard here. And I just, you know, exactly. I had a big Twitter rant about it because I just felt like, and it's not about the people reviewed and it's not even about those publications. It's more about, I want to educate people that we don't live in the world of Apple and Samsung only. We don't live in the yeah. world of everybody goes to the Verizon store and buys a freaking S21 Ultra. Like, exactly. hello, like there are, thousands and millions of phones sold every year, even in the US that are like the LG Stylo, like the, exactly. these prepaid phones, these these mid-range $200 phones. Why shouldn't it be the same for smartwatches, right? That makes a lot of sense. Now you're going to say, well, it's OnePlus. They make flagships. We expect the best. And I honestly think... But even them now, they don't only make flagships. That's the whole point. Well, not only that. <laughs> not only that. And in, in India, they certainly sell a lot of those cheaper phones. In fact... I've heard this hearsay. I don't know. I don't have proof. But apparently T-Mobile uh, through Metro, the Nord N10 5G is selling like hotcakes. It's the number really? one best-selling uh, OnePlus phone of all time in the US. Mm. That tells you something, right? Yeah. So I know that the expectation for OnePlus is premium flagship, but this, as soon as I said it doesn't have Wear OS, immediately in my head, this mid-range. I went to mid-range, premium mid-range, but it's premium. It's totally premium. The materials, the build quality is really beautiful. It is, in your words, supreme. <laughs> I mean, it is. No, seriously, Fee, it's really, really nice. So I think, I think like, there's no doubt the hardware is solid. The software, however, really needs a lot of work. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things that don't work, a lot of things in the app on the phone that don't work. This notification thing I was telling you, you can't dismiss notifications, you don't have the matching icons. They told me that they're gonna fix a lot of this stuff with two updates in mid-April, like this week, and then in mid-May, right? So mm -hmm. if they do that, then we're okay, right? Hopefully they'll do it. Hopefully they do these Sounds things. like, I mean, that's the plan, right? <laughs> I mean, for me, the only other thing that I can say that I wish was better was, you know, the sleep tracking is very good. It doesn't sync with the app right now, but again, that's a bug. That's a, they know about it. There's a little, I, I just feel like, okay, maybe you know how PR people, the OnePlus folks are wonderful. I just feel like they could have saved themselves a lot of grief, especially with the big players, the Virgin Gadget, all that wired. If they had been very clear up front and said, guys, this is not what you expect in terms of, this is not competing with Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. and Galaxy Watch, right? And they should have said, hey, also, we have a lot of features that need to be fixed. We mm -hmm. just want you to get a chance. Be aware that these are the problems we know about. Mm -hmm. I know it's not ideal, right? But as somebody who used to do PR, I find that, you know, if I contact you, Fee, with a device and I say, hey, here's a review unit, here are the things we know are kind of like iffy. Yeah. Like, you are going to immediately be sympathetic about it and you're going yeah. to probably just you're going to send still mention them in your review no doubt you're smart you're not gonna you're gonna figure it out you're gonna find yeah. the problem i can't lie to you right i'm not suggesting the oneplus p lied i think that they would have saved themselves a lot of grief if they had told everyone this is the kind of category of watch it is and here are the things we know are broken i mean i would even say that here's the thing it is really pretty 
Like, I think maybe that's kind of, that's even that. It's like, it, like, build-wise, it is really pretty. Yeah. So, like, I feel like maybe there are, like, a lot of publications that felt like it was, like, a bait and switch. Yeah, well, I mean, again, this is PR not setting expectations properly, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, I don't also know why did they even bother launching it so early if it wasn't ready? Like, that. that's mm. rewinding even further. That is the yeah. smart thing to ask, right? The question would be, why didn't they just wait until like a month later or two months later to launch this thing for for whatever reason they had to launch it i don't know why but <laughs> these are the things that you know one hopefully one plus is listening and these are the things that one plus is hopefully looking at for next time yeah i mean we do have like like the t the t lines coming out you know so that yeah, could have yeah. been it could have came out with the t's for sure. So I, I, I don't know. I think the PR folks are wonderful. That's not the issue. It's not their fault. Yeah. I just feel like OnePlus should have prepared things better for the media. And, yeah. um, but at the same time, I also feel like the media should have immediately understood if you're a reviewer, you know that there's this category of, you know, fitness bands on steroid smartwatches that are good, that do yeah. that, just because they don't have a voice assistant, they don't have Wi-Fi, they don't, you know, let you do like install apps and stuff doesn't mean they're worse. Like it does everything you need it to. Notifications needs improvement. That's an area that I think for me is a big deal breaker. Like I think if they mm-hmm. fix that, I could use the watch every day. But right now I'm back on my Huawei because it does that well. And, you know, the other thing that is really weird. And again, I want to point it out before I get comments about this on Twitter I had zero issues with my step tracking. Anything I did with it was accurate compared to roughly what I'm used to. Like mm. I didn't side by side put the Huawei watch on my other wrist and check, but I know how many I know how many steps I walk a day. Mm-hmm. And I can generally tell because of COVID, right? Because I know yeah. which coffee shop I've walked to and I know how many <laughs> steps it takes on average to get there. Like I can calculate in my head really quickly and give you within within 500 steps, I can give you myself how much I mm-hmm. walk today before I even look at my watch and I can be right. So I did not get any numbers that were too far off. Everything was within a few hundred steps in my opinion. And I don't know why some folks, and I believe them, like I'm not saying these reviewers did not have problems with the step counting. And that's an issue. Obviously there is a bug in there somewhere because some people are having bad step counts and some people are having good step counts. So what gives, right? Well, maybe I can segue and ask you, what what uh software you think is is the best for step counting well so again i don't use smartwatches with apps so i don't know like i think for me there's strava there's fitbit well fitbit you really need their tracker because their app goes with it and Mm -hmm. then you know there's google fit there's apple health or whatever it's called you know and some of them can work standalone on the phone some of them require a band or a watch there's Huawei Health, which obviously I'm familiar with from using my Huawei watches and bands. And of course, OnePlus has OnePlus Health, which is that same kind of app. But I don't think the phone is doing any of the counting in that. I think it's used, they're using just the watch. Okay. And what I think this is what's happening. I think that with a lot of these other apps, both the watch and the phone, they're getting data from both, right? If you don't mm-hmm. have the phone with you, it's just the watch. Mm-hmm. But when you get back in sync, it syncs it together and does the thing, right? So I, I okay. don't know. The the OnePlus watch does f- sync with Google Fit. Well, it will because right now that's not really working very well. Again, this mm-hmm. is not, it's there. It connects to your Fit. It downloads some of the data, but it's missing some stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that 
There's absolutely no doubt the software needs improvement. The software is unfinished. They need to do these software updates for me to be 100% on board. But from everything else I can see so far, this delivers exactly what you expect from like a competitor like the Xiaomi watch or the Huawei watch GT series or the Zep watches or the Amazfit watches because Amazfit's another one that we can buy in the US readily and Zep and Amazfit are kind of the same company anyway. But you know, the question for you, I think, if you're looking at buying a smartwatch is really to kind of wrap up this conversation on smartwatches is really like, what do you need? If you want something that you can install apps on, like have a little mini Google map running on the screen, you know, like that's cool, right? Like if that's what yeah. you want, get a Wear OS watch, get an Apple watch, right? Yeah. Get a Galaxy watch because it has that feature. But if you don't need these apps, if you just want notifications, health tracking, workouts, and have something that doesn't look like a chintzy little band, like I'm just wearing this because I need to track my health, but I don't think it's very fashionable and I don't like it, you know? Like if you want something a little beefier, like, and again, it's a big watch, 46 millimeters diameter. Some people are, are not going to like that. It's going to be too bulky for them, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the question you need to ask yourself. And then how much money do I have? How much do I want to spend? If you're just trying to keep track of your health and fitness, just get a fitness band, you know, less yeah. than a hundred bucks. Have fun. And then if you want notifications and a bigger screen or a longer battery, get one of those mid-range, like the OnePlus watch. And then if you want like the best, if you want flagship, but you're willing to live with, oh, look, it's 9 p.m. I'm ready for bed and my battery's at 10%. Now I have to charge it for an hour so I can sleep and get my sleep tracking, which <laughs> is a total load of BS if you ask me. Then get an Apple Watch or, you know, one of those I'll be frank, though, that my Galaxy watch, my original that I still wear from time to time, is probably the best of those super premium smartwatches that I've used. I don't have the new Galaxy Watch 3. I've never tried the Galaxy Active 2, which I hear is fantastic because it's smaller and a lot of people love the way it looks. It looks a lot like the OnePlus watch. But I think that Samsung, when I sing, is I'm getting two days of battery life on that watch. Mm. I just have to remember to charge it for that second night. So it's not too bad, but compared to a week, you know, my Huawei Watch GT2 Pro gives me like a week to 10 days with the always on display, you know, continuous mm -hmm. heart rate monitoring, automatic sleep detection. I mean, like, I don't really need more, right? So. I just had a thought now with the pandemic. I'm like, I wonder what watches, who's going to bring out the, uh, the temperature check first. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so many features, you know, that have become complex. Like blood oxygen level is on the OnePlus watch. It's on a lot of these fitness bands now. It's pretty standard feature, right? But for a while, that was not something you could get at that price point. So it's nice to see that. And, you know, temperature, yeah, we're going to probably get that at some point. The reality is, you know, if you ask me, should I buy the OnePlus watch? My answer is I would wait till they fix the software, till we confirm as journalists that they fix the software. And then it's a question of, do you like the looks of it? And do you understand the limitations? Because this is not a flagship kind of product like Apple. But you also understand the benefits, which are crazy battery life and automatic sleep track and all these nice features. You, yeah. know, you don't have to manage it. It just does its thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's no voice assistant. Could they have one? Sure. But it wouldn't be any of the assistants we like, right? Because it's that OS is so lightweight. There's no way it could do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I think it's it's kind of fascinating. We've got a bunch of other stuff to talk about, and I kind of want to get your gut reaction and perspective. None of these devices we're going to talk to about next, we have 
touched and used. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. you know, we're both on the same boat here. <laughs> I kind of want to hear what you say about it, though. Um, the next thing, obviously, is we want to talk about Google a little bit. Okay. So, what do you think of all the news? First of all, Google I.O. is happening. So, we know that's a, that's a thing, right? So, yeah. Google I.O. is coming on... Uh, on May 18th to 20th. It's virtual this year, so, you know, check it out. There'll be some news. And some of the things that we think might be happening is a Pixel Watch, speaking of watches. That's kind of why I brought Jesus. it up. <laughs> so there's leaks of a Pixel Watch, and that would be running Wear OS, and might maybe, you know, I think the thing that's holding Wear OS back, I don't know if you've used a Wear OS watch recently, but I think for me what's holding Wear OS back right now is hardware. Like, the fact that there's no good chip from Qualcomm or somebody else that runs it smoothly, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that OnePlus watch runs on a tiny, simple chip and it's yeah. smooth as silk, the OS. Like everything is responsive, instantaneous. You have no hiccups, no delays. You use a Wear OS watch and it's always slow and cumbersome, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know, what's your take? I mean, I saw the leaks um, for the for the Pixel Watch, and I don't know. I mean, again, I haven't handled one in a while myself, uh, but the leaks that I saw, I don't know. They just and I know, like for Pixel as a whole, their 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 whole kind of theme is kind of like a back to the basics kind of design wise, at least. Yeah. But it's really, really kind of super basic, like super, 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 at least like design wise, it's super, super, super basic, like kind of like, I'm going to give this to my five-year-old, you know? (laughs) You think it looks like a kid's watch, huh? Exactly. Like Maybe it has a, a, to me, it (laughs) kind of felt more like I'm looking at one of those watches, you remember, from the 80s and the 90s, you know, those mechanicals, the plastic ones? Exactly. Like, again, and even, like I said, there is just kind of like a lot of, a lot of other watches, like even if they're not super fancy, there is just kind of like this, like, mature je ne sais quoi that you get from a lot of the design that really makes you like even if it's very simple it is kind of like that is you know even kind of like the gen z style it's really plain you know it kind of like and not really plain but just kind of like your basics they wear like really just like like monotone and things like yeah, that yeah. you know but it looks very mature you know and it's like you know like like i'm 22 but i'm an adult you know type <laughs> of you know type of type of style but this looks yeah. like this looks like again like it's like I'm I'm 15 and then I'm pretending to be an adult type of type of style. So again, and those are like mock-ups or whatever. I'm not I'm not really I'm not really feeling them design-wise at least. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me it's more like I'm not disliking what I see. I agree with your assessment though. It has that vibe to it. But I feel like I think Wear OS might be my favorite of the heavyweight, like flagship watch OSs, mm-hmm. but I feel that it's held back by the hardware right now. We don't have a chip that runs it well, and yeah. we don't have the battery life, we don't have the performance we need from it. And so 
Either Google can improve its software or Qualcomm cannot give us a new Snapdragon Wear chip mm. that really delivers on performance and keeps the battery life in check. But until that happens, I don't even know if Wear OS is a viable thing for people. Like, I think that it's hard to recommend in my book. And so I have this tiny little bit of sliver of hope that maybe this Pixel Watch will be the kind of the third chapter of Wear OS. Like the first chapter was Android Wear, right? And then they went to Wear yeah. OS. And this might just rekindle things because Fossil's been doing really good things with Wear OS and TickWatch as well. But I feel they're held back by the performance of the, the system because of the hardware and the software limitations. And you see how the Apple Watch, when you use one, or even the Tizen watches from Samsung, the Samsung watches, the Galaxy watches, are so much smoother and quicker and slicker because Apple is constantly improving their performance and making sure it's slick and smooth, you know? And I think that that's what I hope to see. But the other thing that is interesting that came along with Google I.O. a little bit is that, you know, there's a lot of rumors around the Pixel 5a for a few days last week. And then... The last rumor was, oh, it's going to get canceled. And then Google came out and said, no, it's confirmed. It's happening. But they didn't specify when. So we now know officially that there's a Pixel 5a coming. Are you excited? I am actually extremely excited because I am Team Pixel myself. I'm a part of Team Pixel. So yeah, me too. Uh, I am. I am very, very excited for that. I mean, again, we're kind of still in lockdown and stuff like that. So, you know, I guess, you know, depending on uh, on timing and things like that. Ironically, I would say I had hope it would come out later in the year. So maybe we would be able to, like, have events and meetups and things like that. Uh <laughs> I think, honestly, if we get a, any kind of... Um in-person briefing reveal of a pixel it'll yeah. be for the pixel 6 in the fall mm -hmm. i have a feeling that this 5a is not going to come out at io i could be wrong but i think yeah. it's going to come out like the 4a did last summer you remember yeah. the baby one yeah i think it's going to be later in the summer here's the big problem right that everybody's having and it's getting worse every second we're speaking is the chip shortage it's just yeah. out of control like, you know, we're going to talk about Sony a second. They just announced their new flagships and they're not coming out till the summer. Like they've been mm -hmm. announced. Do you think that they would not have shipped them now? They probably would have, but I don't think they had access. They don't have access to the chips. So um, look, if the Pixel 5a improves in any way on the Pixel 4a 5G, which I think from so far what we've seen in leaks and rumors, it's a follow up on the 4a 5G. I'm in. Like, I think the 45G is a fantastic phone. The only thing it's missing for me and the reason that I can't make it my daily driver is wireless charging because I'm a complete addict to wireless charging. But for people that don't care, this is a perfect phone, the 45G. So if this improves on the 45G in any way, which it should, like, bring it on, right? I played around with the 4A 5G a little bit. I've that's one of my my background devices. I just spent like the tiniest bit of time with it. So I'm still not that familiar with it to really speak in depth on it. But again, again, kind of camera wise, that's like my biggest take on a lot of devices right now, just camera and 5G that I can really, you know, hearken on. Uh, yeah. So... 
you know, just kind of rolling over uh, device over device. So I wouldn't <laughs> really be able to to really speak on that one. Um, but in terms of the chip shortage overall, I would actually like to talk about that because for me, I've actually been writing about that for a gig that I've been writing, a uh, site that I've been writing for um, mm-hmm. that is more actually focused on um, finance more so than tech, but they actually have me writing a lot about tech companies, but it's more Uh finance overall. So, you know, like a lot of the companies that I write about, they talk about a lot of how their finances are affected by the various shortages and things like that. So a lot of those things are very fascinating and it's very interesting to realize how things like the pandemic have really just some companies have come to a screeching halt or they've come to a halt and then recovered or even sped up, you know, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. even just kind of, there's some other companies that we'll talk later about that I was considering that are actually possibly rebounding already. But like, yeah, again, yeah. like the chip shortage has really, you know, maybe again in a, in an alternate universe, maybe we would be kind of, chugging along but you know like you yeah. know what you would think is just a health crisis has actually just upended the whole industry yeah what does a health crisis have to do with technology like you would people would never think to connect the two you know that well just... i think there's a lot of factors like <laughs> i don't claim to understand it and my theory that the pixel 5 will be delayed is just based on what i'm seeing and observing not yeah. really because I have any knowledge and expertise. But just to be clear, I'm excited about the Pixel 5a. The 4a 5G is pretty much the same as the 5, just bigger screen, no water resistance, no wireless charging, add a headphone jack. That's basically the gist of if you've used the Pixel okay. 5, you've used the Pixel 45 g There's no performance difference. All you right. get more RAM on the Pixel 5. You get 90 hertz display. That's definitely nice. But Overall, I would never spend the extra $200 unless you need the wireless charging. There's no way. It is almost exactly the same. So the 5A should improve on that. Samsung is also doing something soon. Like uh, we have, obviously we have Google IO. Samsung has an event on April 28th. It looks like it's a big deal. You know, it's probably something about their folding phones. So, I mean, I don't know more than that. They've announced an event. Yeah. They're really spreading it out this year, right? Like, have you noticed because it's virtual now, they're just going like, every time we have a major announcement, it's kind of like Apple. They do two or three a year. Samsung only used to do one or two a year. Now they're doing two or three or four a year, right? Yeah. I mean, Samsung is always, I I love, I really enjoy Samsung's uh, teasers. They're always, and I'm like, you would never, like, I don't know who Samsung's, uh, like, who they're, pro- who they're, their team is that does their teasers but like i don't know how they like think of so many different ways to like portray the same thing for on that it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for sure um but yeah i mean there is that same you know the foldable the galaxy z fold 3 and i yeah. did see the rumors recently about whether or not the the uh the s they might have an s pen that like goes oh, yeah. inside 
Yeah. Uh, so that might be fascinating if that is true. So yeah, uh, I need to catch up on I need to catch up on my rumors on that as well. So uh, for sure. But I'm definitely interested in that. I mean, I think we're all looking forward to the next folding phone, whether it's that or the flip, the next version of the flip, or if they do both. I wouldn't be surprised if we get both folding phones. On really? This thing. Okay, that'd be interesting. I mean, the, the flip is honestly the my favorite. Like the fold is definitely like taking yeah. all my you know nerd like early adopter <laughs> power user boxes, yeah. right? But the flip is the ones close to my heart. Like I like the idea of this tiny little like pocket thing that opens yeah. up into a normal size phone. You know, it hits all my fashion lifestyle vibes in the best <laughs> of ways. You know? Yeah, so let's see what happens. And and speaking of which, related to that, we also have a bunch of Galaxy S21 fan edition leaks. Mm-hmm. The fan edition last year, the S20 FE, you know, cut some corners to uh, be more affordable, but it kept all the right corners, in my opinion. It is an incredibly yeah. good phone. It gives OnePlus a run for the money. The the 8 Series and the AT, honestly, it was hard for me to send people to buy a OnePlus 8 or OnePlus 8T last year <laughs> when the FE existed, the Samsung Galaxy S20 FE. So the S21 FE should just hopefully build on that and be another great affordable flagship, basically, right? Yeah. I mean, I got to say that it's so fascinating that Samsung has been able to like really stretch out this branding into to like become a positive that that fans are like really excited about. Yeah. You know, just like thinking of its original, you know, its original connotation. <laughs> you know, again, you know, their their marketing team works overtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And you know, speaking of whose marketing team works overtime, like Samsung's, and we know this already, is Apple, right? <laughs> Apple has also got an event, and that's coming on April 20th. And I guess we're expecting iPad Pro, maybe some new MacBook, so maybe mm-hmm. some 14-inch MacBook Pro with an M1 or M1X or M2 chip, uh, maybe some new Apple TV products. I mean, who knows? Again, like, I don't want to speculate. I'm more wanting to let the audience know if you're not paying attention right now. Next week, you know, is going to be crazy with Apple. The week after that is going to be crazy with Samsung. Get ready. Brace yourselves. There's going to be more and more leaks and probably not much with Apple, but there's probably going to be more and more leaks with Samsung as we get closer. Um, yeah, definitely. And like I was saying before, this is what I was talking about with the, um, with kind of like the financial side that I've been writing about, um, where Apple has actually kind of benefited from everything that's been going on in the pandemic, where they've actually seen increases of, um, iPads and things like that. So they've actually been kind of been able to, um, it, that's part of the reason why they've been able to kind of like improve on the design and features in, you know, the rumors that are, that have been put into the iPads for that are coming up this year, like the mini LED and things like that. You know, so you can kind of put all of those things together. So again, for me, it's been really fascinating to like, put the you know the tech side that that I know and the finance side that I'm kind of learning now (laughs) um but yeah so like you know so there's that and like you said you know there's the IMAX that are coming the IMAX that are coming in and like even now like like 
we were talking before beforehand <laughs> that I'm like on the market for for a new for a new MacBook or iMac or something. I mean, would you get a MacBook Pro 14 if it had an M chip inside? And I would mean, that, or would you just like wait for something smaller than a MacBook Air? Because you know, I went from an original 12 inch MacBook, the really tiny little one, uh-huh. to a MacBook Air M1, and I love my MacBook Air M1, but it's so much bigger and heavier. Like I want them to do like the ultra thin, ultra light again. You know. I I'd really have to think about it. I am kind of like a, a person like, you know, I do like to carry around my laptop. So right. so I, you know, it is something that I'd have to think about, but at the same time I know like I'm definitely trying to like get back on my YouTube game and things like that. So I I have to like think about like do I want the more powerful device or do I want the lighter easier to carry around device? So that is something I'm like trying to consider. I mean, I kind of think you can have your cake and eat it too here, right? <laughs> okay. Because everybody who's used an M1 MacBook, either the Pro or the Air, has completely agreed that it is just as fast as a MacBook Pro Intel 16-inch for video editing. Like, okay. if you talk to any of the creators like Michael Fisher and those guys, they're like, you don't need a 16-inch MacBook Pro Intel anymore. Like, it just does the job. It's crazy. So and that's kind of why I want the ultra light, ultra thin, because, you know, I'm not doing major 4K Final Cut work all the time. Yeah. You know, most of the time it's 1080p. I use Final Cut occasionally. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just use iMovie because I'm lazy <laughs> and it's all I need. And yeah. so, you know, like I think for me it'd be perfect. But yeah, I think that is everybody's waiting for a replacement to the 16 inch MacBook Pro mm-hmm. and maybe a 14 inch MacBook Pro. And of course the iMacs, right? Yeah. So who knows? I think it's going to be an interesting event. I'm looking forward to it. Just as I think the Samsung event is going to be really interesting because of these folding phones. Yeah. So this is what's coming. That and of course Google I.O. Yay, yay, yay. So let's talk about Sony a little bit because they basically there's three companies we need to talk about that have announced phones in the last past week since I did yeah. the last podcast. There is Sony, there is TCL, and there is mm-hmm. Nokia. Yeah. And really Sony is the one that's tickling my fancy the most right now. Yeah. I reviewed the Xperia 1 Mark II last year for Hot Hardware. Read my review and I really love that phone. Like if that phone was just missing a few things that for me didn't make it a winner. And if you read my review, you'll know what they are. One of them was 5G. It had 5G, but it didn't work in the US at all. So it's like they were asking $1,000 for a flagship in the US a year ago. A phone that did not have 5G in the US for $1,000. It was a really tough sell. But the cameras were really solid. And now with this Xperia 1 Mark III, and interestingly, they always launched the 5 series, the Xperia 5, Later, like a few months in the fall, usually it's a TikTok cycle. They do the Xperia 1 in the spring and the Xperia 5 in the fall. The 5 is like the more compact flagship. The same essentially, just more compact. So last year they did the 1 in the summer and the 5 in the fall. And this year they're doing both the 1 and the 5. So the 1 Mark III and the 5 Mark III just were announced now. I don't think they're going to be available till the summer, but it looks like they're going to launch them at the same time. And here's the thing that blows my mind, Fee. Every single thing that me and other reviewers, because for once I agreed with everyone else, we all had the same reviews. Mm-hmm. Every single thing we pointed out that we didn't like, they fixed. Okay. Every single thing. The big Xperia 1 Mark II didn't have a 120 hertz display. It was a 4K display, but it didn't have 120 hertz. Guess what? Mm. This year it's 4K 
and 120 hertz. Mm -hmm. Didn't have 5G for the US, has 5G for the US. We complained that there were two camera apps, the Pro one and the regular one. It was really confusing. They consolidated them as one. Now you have a basic mode in the Pro app, basically, and the basic mode is the default, and it's like your normal camera app. And then if you want to go crazy, you, you go in that. Like, it's amazing what they've done. And, you know, the differences between the two are very minor. The 5 is smaller, as usual, 6.1 inch instead of, I think, 6.5 or whatever the other one is. And those are both 21 by 9. They are both 120 hertz, but... The big one is 4K, the other one's 1080p. So mm -hmm. that's actually the same display as the Xperia 5 Mark II, I think. The 1080p, 120 hertz, 6.1 inch. And then same battery size, same processor, Snapdragon 888. There's more RAM on the big one, 12 gigs, 8 gigs on the, the smaller one. And I think the smaller one doesn't have wireless charging, which is a bummer because I love the smaller form factor on that. But the big one, the Xperia 1 Mark III, has everything feet, like headphone jack, it's there. Nice. You know, like you name it, you can go through the list of features. Like, you know how Samsung, like right now it doesn't have a micro SD and there's no headphone jack, but you know, we all love the Galaxy S21 Ultra. It's a, it's a powerhouse of a phone, right? But yeah. there's a few couple of things where like, we wish they had that. <laughs> nope. Sony's like, screw you all. I'm giving <laughs> you everything. And they did. It's kind of amazing, frankly. So there you go. And the 5 is just basically a slightly reduced version of the, the 1 Mark III. So the thing that really stands out to me, I don't know if you lo looked at the details, is that the telephone on this, like you know how the S21 and the P40 Pro Plus from Huawei, they have two telephotos, right? There's one that's 3X and one that's 10X and it's separate lenses, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Sony's like, screw you. We're going to show you. We're going to school you on how to do this, guys. And they did a thing where they basically have the first telephoto that adjusts. So it's not just one magnification, it's two magnifications. It doesn't like zoom in like fluid optically, like, you know, your point and shoot or your mirrorless camera does, but it does have two settings. And that is really kind of unique. Nobody's done this before. It's like having two telephotos in one box, like in mm -hmm. one lens with one sensor. And of course, they're using really nice sensors, 12 megapixels on all three, like they did last year. So you have like a, a 70 millimeter and a 105 millimeter. And then the f-stops are crazy. F over 2.3 and f over 2.8. It's like... You never see that. Like normally if you have like a periscope lens, like the S21 or whatever, like the f-stops are like three point something or four point something. So this lets in way more light. So that's why I think this is going to be a really interesting camera system. I know I'm nerding out about cameras, you know. <laughs> but all I'm saying, the takeaway here is that the cameras should be pretty spectacular, especially when you use them as a pro, right? Like when you start tweaking things. Yeah. Sony has never been super good at you mash the button. You know, like how you, on a Pixel or an iPhone, you just mash the button <laughs> Yeah. on a Samsung phone and you get a really great photo. I don't think this is going to be that phone still. I think yeah. they still need to learn to get there. But I'm still excited because last year, I really loved what I saw, but I missed the fact that there were some showstoppers, like no 5G. And then, of course, we don't know what the price is going to be. They haven't launched the prices mm. at all. And this could be really expensive. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so what do you think about Sony making phones? Does it matter? Like, I think it's, you know, LG just dropped out of the game. We had a whole podcast about that last week, me yeah. and Rich Woods. And I feel like, 
I'm surprised Sony hasn't dropped out yet. Like, I, I don't want them to, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. I'm a big believer that having niche products is interesting mm -hmm. and important. If Sony sells enough televisions and PlayStations <laughs> to finance their little experiments in mobile, I'm in, you yeah. know? I was hoping LG would stick around and sell more washers and dryers and fridges so we could <laughs> still have phones. I know it's not a very good business proposition, but I feel like niche phones are fun. Yeah. You know, like that's why we like the next bit Robin and all these other weird little phones that came along, you know? Yeah. So I'm excited. I, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I definitely, uh, Sony's TV section is definitely one of my favorite areas at CES. <laughs> Yeah, uh, right? I definitely know that. Um, but I, I definitely have to like channel my inner Sasha right now, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, that, okay. you know, this is definitely one of those like best like smartphone cameras on the market that pretty much nobody's going to buy. <laughs> like, but that's you what know? makes it more fun, you see? Like, of makes it more fun and we get to geek out and we get to love it and like you know but but again we can spend 20 minutes describing every detail to a t and and maybe even you know there there are like you know the one or two camera connoisseurs that would you know invest in this but but again you know there is just that idea of smartphone users that do actually need the smartphone side of things ones sure. that need the smartphone side of things yeah. and then the the people that you know the smartphone users that need that do use their smartphone cameras as their main cameras that need them to work because they don't understand f-stops yeah. and oh, yeah. and telephoto and things like that they they just understand the point and shoot and things like that so they buy an iphone and a galaxy or a one plus you know i mean yeah so so that is i mean it's you know it's not necessarily unfortunate you know because again because they will buy the thousand dollar phone it's not that they won't buy the thousand dollar phone you right. know but yeah. it is that you know, I'm sure there's an alternate universe somewhere where that where everybody's buying the the thousand dollar Sony. I don't it's even just think not I know. I look. I'm a hundred percent on board with what you said. <laughs> I'm just excited that Sony hasn't thrown in the towel yet. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's just be real. I mean, I like we all will give Sony their props that you know Sony was had the camera focus before anybody knew what the camera focus was. Like we will always give Sony their props you know and yeah. we all know that if all of these phones have sony lenses we all know that so we will yeah. give we will bow down to sony until the end of time <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know like i'm gonna review this and i'm gonna tell you folks what i think because i'm definitely reviewing this one like <laughs> considering that on paper they fixed everything i didn't like about last yeah. year's that might actually turn into my main phone, frankly. But the camera has to be really special. And last year, it wasn't special enough. Like, mm. see, am I backstepping here a little bit? But I'm not. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know that thing you talked about, the average person just want to match the button? Yeah. They didn't have enough of that. Yeah. Now, they say they've added more of that. Mm -hmm. And conversely, for those of us who are into photography, mm -hmm. what was missing last year 
was, yes, we had all the tweakability, like it was very much like using a Sony camera. Yeah. It was really nice. But it was missing all the computational photography tricks that we're mm -hmm. used to on Samsung, on Huawei, on Google, on Apple. You know what I'm saying? Like the, yeah. the stacked HDR stuff. Like it did it, but not quite, it didn't push the envelope enough in that area. And so I'm hoping that Sony's woken up from that slumber and said, hey, you know, why don't we at least try to compete on the mainstream features people expect and dare i say dare i say i feel like if like a photographer wants to have that computational photography and things like that they would just get a camera you wouldn't do it in a smartphone form factor you know well that's 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 the big debate right that's the the debate that you can buy sony rx 100 mark whatever it is now mark 29 or whatever yeah. level they're at right now with it it's always been a solid freaking point and shoot it's probably always been the best point and shoot it took over from canon you know that has the s series before and i feel like it's really nailed it but it's one more thing to carry. You can't post to Instagram with it immediately. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that it's that little bit of stuff that to me still makes the phone such a superior experience. Well, no. Well, what I'm saying is like in terms of in terms of like, for example, what you're saying is that they fixed the the things that you didn't like about the previous version. Right. Of yeah. like whatever, you know, of those things are like now those little nips and tucks make this version better. You know, like now that those things are fixed, it's like if you're going to have the like, oh, well, we're making this for the people that like the camera experience. It's like, OK, we understand that there's people that like the camera experience, but it's still it's still a phone. And it's, it's like if you if you've got to do everything by yourself, I might as well just do the, just have a camera, you know, right. so, it, you know, yeah. it's like you still you still have to remember that you're on a phone form factor. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, the next series of phones that are, I think are of interest, you probably got briefed on those too, uh, because, you know, TCL, because Brad, because <laughs> awesomeness. Hey Brad. hey, Brad. You know, he loves it when we mention him on the podcast. <laughs> those TCL, new, those new 20 series phones, there's three of them, at least for the US. There's a bunch of other ones coming to Europe. There's a TCL 20L, a 20L Plus, and a 20 Pro 5G. And I think there's like a 20S or something that's not coming to the US. But the bottom line is we're going to get some of these phones, hopefully in the summer. I don't know the, I don't know when. But what I want to talk about mostly, just briefly, is the TCL 20 Pro 5G. Mm -hmm. Because last year, TCL really nailed it with the 10 series at the price points that they launched them at. And more importantly, the 10 5G with Verizon, which was a $400 phone with millimeter wave. And I mean, a millimeter, nobody needs it. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's cool. Mm -hmm. It's, you, you know, you demo it once, you get like one gigabit of download speed. You, you have to be outside right by the the antennas to get, it's cool, right? But yeah. the point is, is they still made a phone that was a good phone mid-range with 5G and in, uh, as a bonus millimeter wave, for 400 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that this TCL 20 Pro 5G comes out at even less than that maybe. And the specs on it are pretty solid. It's a Snapdragon 750G, mm -hmm. as far as I know. And yeah, I'm actually looking for the specs right now. And, and you know, it's like, 
It's got a lot of new improvements. It's got OIS on the main lens. It's a 48 megapixel sensor with OIS. When's the last time you heard a phone that had less than $400 that was OIS? I'm assuming it's less than $400. You know, the only one I can think of is a Pixel 4a, but that's only a 4G phone, right? Yeah. The, the base Pixel 4a, the baby one. It's yeah. got OIS. We all want OIS on our cameras. So I think this is very, very cool. I don't remember which model it is, but I know I feel like I saw like a 549 price attached to one of them, but I don't remember which one. I think that was a translated price from the the uh, euros or something. Okay. But I don't think they've released prices for the US as far as I know. And if it's okay. 549, oh no, you're right. It's 549 euros for the 25G. So that's okay. pretty high, but you, you know how you can take a euro price for a phone? and turn it into US dollars, and generally you're right. And it's pretty much the right price. So 549 seems high for this to me in the US, if it was 549. I think it needs to be 400, 450. Snapdragon 750G, six gigs of RAM, 256 gigs of storage. These are really nice specs for that, you know, that price. Mm -hmm. It's got a nice AMOLED display, 6.67 inches. It's got 48 megapixel camera with an IMX582, which is Sony's, one of Sony's better sensors. I mean, the reality here is this is solid. This is good. Like, I'm really hoping that, you know, we get this soon and through all the carriers. And, you know, because of that, that the price is really good. That's, I'm, I'm excited about it. The other ones, eh, it's not really my bread and butter, but, and I don't want to even waste our time on that. But, you know, yeah. I mean, I think, I think TCL, you know, like I said, they do a good job, like, you know, at least like, the you know a solid upgrade cycle you know it's not the the flashiest but you know it it like they do a good job keeping the name out there yeah yeah uh the next one we have to kind of wrap things up is hmd global aka nokia we're not talking about the foldable teasers oh uh, we should yeah okay, <laughs> right. let's talk about it really briefly because we okay. gotta wrap up um what, what's your take on that i mean to me it, it feels like you know that that gif of the child why not both, right? Like, <laughs> so, so just to fill you in, folks, basically what happened was TCL also teased a concept that has both a folding screen and a sliding screen in one. So, like, it closes into a, like what you know, like a normal phone looks like, and then it opens into a tablet, just like the Z Fold Two does. And then one of the sides of that tablet stretches out as a rolling stretchable screen into an even bigger tablet, basically. And I mean, you gotta give them kudos because that is super cool, right? But at the same time, I'm like, why can't we have both? Is exactly the first thing that came <laughs> to my mind was that GIF. I mean, it's definitely fun to look at, but I'm like, yeah, that's definitely never seen the consumer light of day, but it's just definitely TCL loves to tease us with their concepts. <laughs> look, the reality is this is, TCL was very clear at Mobile Congress a couple of years back when we went that they showed a bunch of folding phones and they're like, we're not going to launch one until we can make it affordable. And it's going to tease us with concepts until then. And you know what? I'm totally okay with that. Because yeah. I kind of feel like they're too expensive right now. And I'm hoping that when Samsung announces the new phones, hopefully there's more than one. Hopefully it's not just the Z Fold 3, which is like a $2,000 or $1,500 flagship. Hopefully they show us like a Z Flip that's 799 or something. You know what? That would really yeah. get me excited. That's what we want. And Samsung is the only one who can pull it off right now mm -hmm. because they have such a big company and they have such deep pockets. So mm -hmm. 
but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, look, I love that TCL is playing. It's let's play. You know, this is it. Like this is. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy to see mm-hmm. that we're still trying new things, even if this is kind of an obvious. Of course, you combine the two, you know. But uh, yeah, so HMD ha- is still making phones. I don't want to be mean to them because I love Nokia phones. But I, you look at the specs on these phones they announced, and you're just like, I kind of want to roll my eyes and shake my head at the same time. Like, there's nothing here that's that's exciting, and the prices are way too high for what it is. Like. Basically, the big news is that they're changing from like, you know, right now, you know, you have the the one series, the three, the four, the five, the eight. There was a seven series for a while. So basically, like, you buy a Nokia 8.3 or you buy a Nokia 4. Point, you know, whatever. And that's yeah. the series, right? Like, so they're changing to X series, G series and C series. So they're changing the kind of naming. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to confuse a lot of people with the the Moto reference here, the X and the G. Mm. But the bottom line is six mid-range phones from 75 euros, 90 bucks, to all the way to like 349 euros, $415. And the only ones that I feel are really interesting in this lineup right now, the X series, which are the the, the kind of like the more expensive one. But honestly, 415 for the X series for the specs is too expensive. I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. The specs look okay on paper at first. You're like, oh, 6.67 inch 1080p display, but it doesn't have high refresh rate. Mm. You know, you got a hole punch cutout and like 64 megapixel rear camera. You got a bunch of sticker cameras, I call them. You know, the one, the two megapixels that are just there to be pretty, but they don't do anything. Um, and then this is where I'm like, you cannot seriously sell this for $415. And again, it's euro, so maybe it'll map to a lower price when it comes to the US. Mm-hmm. But it's a Snapdragon 480. That's a 5G chip for sure. It's the first 400 series chip with 5G. Yeah. But get out of town. You're not going to sell this phone for this kind of money. Like a 400 series chip is just not going to be very fast. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying it's not going to be usable, but it seems a little meh to me. I could be wrong though. We've never tested the 480. For all we know, it could be good. But here's the thing. My point of reference, Fiona, is when I played with the OnePlus Nord N10 5G, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a 690 chip. Yeah. You know? So it went from like the normal Nord had a 765. Yeah. You know, the 7 series chip is like Qualcomm's like best chip series for last year, I think. They, they, it just, you know, you don't need the 8 series. You don't need the flagship chip. Go for the 7 series like you have in your Pixel. Mm-hmm. And it's solid, right? Yeah. The 6 series, eh, I was expecting it to be pretty good. And then it, you can really feel like OnePlus can't really get that smoothness that they did on the original Nord mm-hmm. with the N10 5G because of the cheaper chip. Mm-hmm. And if OnePlus, which is the best at making software slick and fast and smooth on anything, can't get it right. I can't even imagine what the 480 is going to feel like. Even though it's Nokia, we know they run Android 1. It's a clean build of Android. But I'm just like, that's kind of what worries me, frankly. That's that's it. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm just being negative. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, it's been a while since I've played around with Nokia myself. I mean... I for a little bit of positivity, I did think the colors were nice. <laughs> Look, their design is always on point. I yeah. think they make really good looking phones. There's yeah. no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's that's the wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> as is, as it you want to call it a day. Yeah, maybe we should wrap up. I mean, look, there's really not much else to say. You know, I feel like I just want to finish by saying this. Last year I reviewed the Nokia 
8.3 5G UW, whatever that Nokia phone for Verizon was. Mm-hmm. And when they announced 8.3 a year ago, after Mobile Congress, it's a 765G phone. Like it's a mid-range, it's mm-hmm. an upper mid-range phone. And when they announced and they showed us the specs, I was like, it's too expensive, right? Mm-hmm. In euros. And yeah. you know, I, we know sometimes the price doesn't translate. Sometimes it comes to the US and it's cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't have OIS. There's a lot of things that were missing. It just wasn't, it wasn't what you expect from Nokia to be like really delivering what well, it was an eight series. So it was supposed to be a flagship, almost, you know, 700 series Snapdragon. It is the highest line for, mm-hmm. uh, I guess they did the, the Nokia 9, the pure view, mm-hmm. but that was a one-off really. So we were expecting this to be a pretty nice phone and then it's plastic partially and it's just like cost 650 bucks. And when I reviewed it, I'm just like, this feels like that TCL for $400. Mm. It, in fact, has the same specs and performance as that TCL. It's a good phone, but not at $650. It was a good phone at $400. And I felt like it quickly became $400 because they didn't sell and mm. they ended up in the bargain bin, you know? Wow. And I feel bad for Nokia because that, I feel Nokia has a history of excellence and yeah. they should be able to deliver either at that price point, better specs or mm-hmm. lower their prices, you know? And that's what, that's what I'm worried when I see this X20 listing for 299 euros. I'm like, for a 400 series chip, whoa, like this should be a $200 phone on a good day, you know? And even 299 euros, if you translate without like doing the conversion rate, 299 US dollars would still be too high for that phone, in my opinion. So I think they're about to shoot themselves on the foot again. Mm. And my protective motherly instincts about how much I love Nokia are kicking in. Yeah. And I'm going, no, Nokia, what are you doing? That's basically the gist of it. You know? I mean, dare I say, and I don't I don't know, I don't know if it's too soon, but that kind of that kind of feels a little LG-ish where it's kind of like Right? <laughs> Where but you know they sell a lot of phones all over the world it's like you know we forget how moto sells all the g series phone in latin america and yeah stuff. and i think that's look i'm not sh- i'm sure they're not in trouble but i just feel like i want them to deliver something premium flagship that costs a lot that delivers mm-hmm. in every area and i don't seem to be interested in doing that and it's a little disappointed mm-hmm. and maybe i should adjust my expectations who knows mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Fee, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, uh, pimp all your website, YouTube, all that social media stuff? Uh, sure, definitely. Um, uh, my website is techiesupreme.com. My Twitter is at techiesupreme. Instagram is at techiesupreme. Uh, Facebook is at techiesupreme. Uh, YouTube is also techiesupreme. And you can also find me at thestreet.com now. Uh, my name cool. is uh, Fiona Agomo, A-G-O, well, F-I-O-N-N-A-A-G-O-M-U-O-H. That's right. So you should all go follow Fee on social and check out her website and YouTube and all that good stuff. And folks, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Tankerl, but drop all the vowels. If you want to discuss this podcast with me and Fiona, please do it on Twitter. If you want to see pretty pictures of phones and pretty pictures taken with phones, go to Instagram. If you want to watch some videos where I unbox some of these products we've discussed today, like the OnePlus watch, or, you know, see uh, review videos, hands-ons, that kind of thing, go to youtube.com slash mobile 
Tech Podcast. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff, of course. And there's a second channel that we're trying to ramp up and I, we need more subscribers so we can get monetized. So if you consider it, it'd be great. YouTube.com slash mobile tech more where we'll have a lot of smart home, travel tech, all that stuff. So please consider subscribing to that as well. And then, of course, the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com and we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you can find a good podcast, you'll find the show. Please subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. And also, if you can review or rate the show in your app, please do so. That helps people with discovery. And then finally, there's a donate link in the show notes. So if you can donate, that would be awesome. It's a PayPal link and go through my website first. If you can help, that would be great. Finally, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us since the early days of the show, and we want to thank them for sponsoring. And they want to thank you by giving you a deal, 30-day free trial with a free book at the end. So if you want to get that deal, go to audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Audible's got you covered. They've got an incredibly awesome selection of audiobooks. If you're a bookworm like me, but you don't like to maybe read the books with your eyes, you want to listen instead with your ears, check out Audible. You know, lots of the books are read by the authors, which I really like. I think it's great. You know, there's incredible selection. Yeah, Audible, they're awesome. So consider checking out that deal, helping them help us, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And I want to thank them again for being our sponsors. And I want to thank you, Fiona, for being on the show yet again. It's been a while and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me once again. Absolutely. We'll have you on again at some point in the future. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.